Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. Once again, talking to you from our at-home studio, which is a great improvement over talking to you from my hospital room. A.K.A. bedroom is what our studio is. We have no studio, but we are talking to you uh, in a acoustically sensitive environment. Really? Yeah, well, <laughs> we try. <laughs> so, we have had an exciting month. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I'm very happy to say that my knee, I always want to say transplant, knee replacement um, went just as well as everybody promised me that it would. I'm very pleased by how good I came out of the surgery to the point where they handed me a walker to walk around, walk around on my new knee in the hospital, and I was carrying it because I didn't really need to lean on it. I seem to be blowing people's minds about how well I'm doing, including my own, since when it comes to things physical, I'm never very good at anything. This is giving me a whole new lease on life. I still have a ways to go in terms of PT and getting stronger. Physical therapy. And getting stronger, but I'm happy to say that if we aren't in an RV someday near you, it won't be the fault of my knee. Yeah, these knee surgeries are amazing. Um, I think maybe we talked about this before. We told you that it was upcoming, and I think we were quite worried about uh, the outcome here. But the outcome has turned out to be very positive. And although, let's not make light of the fact that you're having pain and that it's a a period of recovery, but you're doing very well and that the prognosis is uh, very positive. So bottom line is, if you are thinking about doing a knee, do it. They have uh, the procedures for getting a replacement knee are really very routine for most hospitals. Well, for unless, the hospitals, unless we- it's you and your knee. Yeah, well, that's the issue, of course, is you're always nervous about your own body. But overall, they the know medical what they're doing, and it's all covered by insurance, which has been uh, amazing. Well, when you're a geezer, I can't speak for younger people, but well, hopefully, younger people aren't having to do this yet. Yeah, but it's covered by insurance, and and that's that's a really good thing. So we haven't had to pay out of pocket for them much of anything. And unlike my previous joint adventures, I've been able to take care of myself as soon as I got home, sparing my nurse a lot of personal service that he wasn't really excited about. Oh, yes, but I have had to do the uh, unthinkable, and that's be the chief cook and bottle washer. I have had to uh, provide Oh, three meals a day and day after day after day. <laughs> day after day after day. And luckily our listeners who we traveled with last month, Jennifer and Kevin, have given Ken a lot of oh, coaching yes. and bucking up and we had a very good Chicago deep dish pizza based on Kevin's recipe. Oh yes. Keep them coming, Kevin. So uh it is possible, but you do need a caregiver, I think. At least for a while. At least for a while in order to make the transition to uh, full health uh, a reality. So 
overall, uh, we've been very pleased. We have a lot to talk about this month, and we don't want to dwell too much on the, well, I don't know, not negative. I would say it's actually very positive, but on the physical condition of our RV navigators. So this is the RV Navigator for May 2003. And 2023. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> don't I wish, if I was that much younger. Episode 217. What's happening in the world? Oh, yeah. Last month, I left you with the sound check yeah, that you were going to hear the RV navigator vast and improvement. Fa- vast improvement. Uh, Did I, anybody say anything? They couldn't have because I, I ran the speed check. This no, is that speed check? Well, the sound check. AI enhancement. And a, thank you. The AI enhancement through Adobe Shasta, which is a podcasting service run by Adobe, where they are trying to give uh, podcasters easy tools to improve the quality of their podcast. I ran the audio through it and... There was no need for improvement. Right. We were already practically perfect. And we are having an interview today that we did through Zoom. And I ran that through Shasta, and guess what? It was practically perfect, (laughs) No, it wasn't practically perfect. Shasta didn't improve it. The podcast audio is okay, but... Oh, what did it do to it? It sounded more muted to me. Uh-huh. So I just decided to Still abandon an it. So if you go product. back to last month's podcast uh, webpage, you'll notice that uh, I have two links up there for you to compare the two audios. But so far, Project Shasta has been something of a disappointment. But so far, we have been doing ideal conditions, at yes. least as ideal as we can get them. So maybe if we were in a noisier, more interfering atmosphere while we were recording, it might be more helpful. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. I'm not saying that, that it isn't something that's worth considering, but for us, it hasn't worked out to uh, much uh, benefit. So far. But, you know, AI has really, I have to talk about it because it's in being, the news in, being all into, the time. in technology, AI is just all over the place. Did you see the AI generated photos of celebrities eating cement? <laughs> They have some of the most famous people, including politicians. And the pulp. Eating cement. Why? Why? <laughs> because you because can. Because they could. Well, yes. it, I think it brings out to the fact that AI is really becoming something that is viable in terms of making and creating content that is very realistic. Another one that you want to take a look at are 21 artificial intelligence recreations of famous paintings. Where they've taken the Mona Lisa and turned it into what looks like a picture, which is kind of interesting. And then... Um, Don't they sample voices from two famous singers and make a new song and have them do a duet or a they, mashup or a trade-off? Yes, oh, the, the AI-generated Drake and Weekend song goes viral. Right. So they create a brand new song with two artists that have not made the song, and they have created a new song. With the voice, AI has created a new with song. With voices that are readily and then, recognizable. And, and then on a more serious note, we're just uh, here at the beginning of May, and the RNC, in response to President Biden's uh, announcement that he, he is uh, running for president, has created an AI ad of what Biden's presidency will look like uh, after if 2024, re- if he's reelected, if he's re-elected. and it's a very dark picture, but all of the images are created by artificial intelligence. And here we have, I mean, this is really serious, that we have a major political party that is trying to influence the electorate using AI. AI. And they have a little disclaimer at the bottom of the last frame that says this was created by AI because the pictures are not real. 
Because they're talking about things that haven't happened yet, or perhaps things that never haven't, will. That probably won't happen, but they have pictures of them regardless. So how do we control AI? I don't know. But on the other hand, I've been using AI in my photography editing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Am I changing my pictures with AI, yes, doing exactly what I just criticized the them to do. But uh, one of the things that uh, photographers like to do is what's called masking. And in Photoshop and other tools, masking is a way to isolate a particular object and then do photo manipulation on it. In its simplest form, you can mask out a subject and then control the exposure and the lighting and the color and stuff on that particular object. Prior to this, masking was hard because um, the edges of the subject often had there were little pieces of hair and you know they were uneven and so and you had to draw around them so it was a very time consuming process now with many of photo editors you could just click with using ai it it selects the subject with a click and suddenly it's masked and you can then manipulate the subject or the background or the sky or whatever it happens to be that you choose to select. And it's automatic. I mean, this is way cool for us photographers who have spent hours doing these manual manipulations in previous iterations. And here it is. All of a sudden, it's it's just available to us. And even... The co-pilot can do this. Yes, I must confess that I have improved my picture somewhat, having learned all the dastardly methods from my husband. And we have many new ones to go through with her, so during her convalescence, we will increase her photo skills. I'm working on Africa still. So last time we left you, we were on the west coast of Africa, and we had... uh, traveled up the west coast uh, would you do it again i'm very glad i got to do it i'm very glad i got to see it i think we talked about this that okay. it conf- pretty well confirmed the bad stereotypes i had of of impoverished nations and corrupt leadership so in that way it wasn't a fun trip the way going to a all-inclusive resort in mexico it would be but it was a real learning experience for me and i was really impressed by the resilience and optimism of the people, probably part of that was the fact that most of them were under 35 years old when you still have optimism and energy. So how do we choose these great cruises that we go on? We've got some good ones coming up. Impulsively. (laughs) Well, we try not to be impulsive. One of the places we go to look for cruises is the Vacations to Go, and that's one word, vacationstogo.com database, because their database of cruises, if you're looking for a cruise at a very reasonable price, we also frequently book with them, uh, they have a database which has virtually every cruise in the world on it, and you can choose by destination, by location, by ship, by cruise line, by whatever you want to choose by. Selection criteria. People ask us, you know, how do you choose your cruises, and that's one of the ways. Another site that's very valuable is called Cruise Watch. And that's one word again, cruisewatch.com. And Cruise Watch is nice because it has a fare checker so that you can see the trends in the fare because cruise prices are very volatile. based on supply and demand, just like airplane fares do. And you always wonder, should I wait a little bit and book at the end, or will all the good choices be gone? Um, It's a dilemma. Most of the time, if your fare goes down, you can usually, if it's before 
the final out. the final payment ninety days out that you can usually get the fare reduced or you get OBC onboard credit, which means you get a credit on your account on the ship and you can spend it as you will on the ship on shore excursions or gratuities or a new watch or whatever you happen to want. Oh, did somebody get a new watch? No, I don't know. <laughs> But those are all options for you to uh, use your OBC. And I, I would also add, Ken doesn't know I'm going to say this, uh, <gasps> over the years we've obviously become known to many cruise companies who send us regular emails enticing us to this and that. And when I'm thinking back on a lot of the cruises we've signed up for, they may have originally started as an email from that company saying, oh, we have this wonderful itinerary, wouldn't you like to take it? And we say, yes, we would. (laughs) And then we go on vacations to go to see uh, the pricing, to see um, what all can come with it. Sometimes when you book a cruise, you get free... uh, Shore excursions or a drinks package or they, or pay the, they pay the tips for you. There are all sorts of enticements and possibilities. So I would say for me, hardly ever look for a cruise cold. I look for one that's going to intriguing places, which is what put us on the Africa cruise, I think. Yes, but we frequently start with uh, vacations to go because their database gives you all the options in terms of ships that are going to the itinerary that you're looking at. We currently have four cruises in the offing. What do you say? (laughs) You're supposed to be looking forward to this. It's so tedious to have to cruise so much. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, but fortunately, the the next one is not until August, so that uh, the... Planned with healing in mind. Right. And by then, it looks like you're going to be in great shape because your wound is so minor. Well, We're two weeks out, and, and you're healed up. It did take 15 stitches to close it back up. Oh, they used staples. Yeah, staples. I, it was very interesting to see how they removed the staples. But her wound is not really that that big. It's amazing. Speak for yourself. And it doesn't itch or anything, does it? No, I'm sitting here scratching <laughs> while we're talking. Oh, now we have something kind of um, dealing with nature. You've heard us um, extol the virtues of the great outdoors over the years. This is the campground where we ended up buying two sites. A number of you have joined us uh, over the years staying in one of them. We are always looking for companionship when we're down there. Uh, We think it's a wonderful place. And one of the things that really appealed to us was that it's so nature-y. A lot of Florida is highly developed to the point of being inaccessible unless you have a condo of your own or or you're paying for an expensive hotel room. The beaches all are behind the facades of various buildings. And the great outdoors, because it's near Kennedy Space Center, was never built up because they didn't dare build much because they were afraid exploding rockets (laughs) might come down on people's heads. So it's kind of an anachronism of old Florida and how things used to be. And that appealed to us very much. Um, It's very common for us to step out of the door of our our motorhome and see... um, cranes going by, swapping away. Uh, It's very lush with nature. We have a nature trail we can go on with a bike or a golf cart where we can see all manner of flora and fauna that is typical of mid-Florida. And and that's what brought us there, is the nature. But that's kind of backfired lately well, from not, what, we've, well, what we've heard. We were not there to experience it because we were still in Africa. We always say we don't have to worry about visitors coming onto the property because we have 24-7 guard service. We have gators. 
completely surrounding the property and that you'd have to go through the swamp in order to get to any of our properties. However, I read this to you as a report from the local newspaper. A a 72-year-old man, mm, too close to my age, presumably an RVer, lost the lower part of his leg in an alligator attack on Friday, April 14th. Rescue officials were called to the Great Outdoors Nature and Golf Resort in Titusville, Florida, after an emergency call reported a gator attack near the park retention pond. Dispatch recordings spell out the terrible details. Per the caller, we have confirmed amputation. A horrific story sounds like a chapter out of Outdoor Life magazine's This Happened to Me feature, but sad to say, alligator attacks aren't unheard of. Can you make a gator getaway? No, he didn't get away. One of the things we find is is that during mating season, the gators are particularly aggressive, and that we see regularly on our on our Facebook page gators underneath people's RVs and in lots and things on this the golf one, course. On the golf course, well, this that's is, typical. This is very Florida. typical of Florida, even in the not so wild part of Florida where we are, because any standing water probably has a gator in it. That's just part of who lives there. Yeah, and in this particular case the man was apparently not doing anything that would cause the gator to attack him but it was very clear to tell which gator in the pond it was because he was captured with the man's foot still in his mouth which is um not funny terrible in florida alligators are protected but if an alligator attacks a person it's captured and destroyed and that's what happened to this guy and his two neighbors that were also sharing that pond with him both of which the were gator neighbors gator neighbors which are very large one was 11 so they eight. killed three gators and, and that's just what they do we have been reminded that we need to pay more attention when we are there usually in the colder parts of winter cold is relative in florida the gators are sluggish and if they find a little patch of sun to lay in that's where they stay uh, i was surprised to learn that gators often eat only once a year so as, as long as you're not there on that day <laughs> you would be just fine but it was a heartbreaking story, and, and we feel badly for the man, and we feel badly for all the people who are so frightened now that they want to destroy all the gators, because that's never going to happen anywhere in Florida. Uh, it's a dilemma when people try to live alongside wildlife. Because we live in a swamp down there, and this is kind of a, a caveat for any place in Florida, I believe, that you can see gators roaming around, uh, and they could be dangerous. Uh, the, the gators that we have seen have seemed very lethargic, and that's the problem with a gator, I think, is, is that they, they don't look benign. They're very aggressive-looking with all those big teeth and the mouth and things, but they don't move. They kind of just when sit there. When we see them, they're very lethargic. And this guy apparently didn't pay very close attention because the, the gator came 15 feet in order to get him. But he lost his leg, and that's a, a serious problem. So if you go to these nature reserves and you see wild animals, understand that they are wild animals and that they might not act the way you expect them to. One of the things that we have been admonished once again is to not feed animals in our park, which is something that people who love animals love to do. Uh, people feed the, the deer especially. They put a lot, a lot of corn. The Nature Wildlife Conservancy people said that they suspected that these gators had been fed by people. I doubt that, but that's what they said. Uh, that would make them less afraid of you. That's the <laughs> they point. They would have fed their dogs. <laughs> you, if a gator is a normal wild gator, 
here. When he sees you, he goes the other way. They should be afraid of you. Yeah. Well, and they basically don't eat humans because they're too big. But little oh, dogs oh. and stuff, which a lot of people have. Yeah, and people, as Martha says, if they, if people feed the gators, then that's a problem. And in our resort, they stock the ponds every year and do catch and With release fish, fishing. Yeah. And he, they were talking about, think about it the way a gator is, thinking there's this man there with a pole and he throws a fish back into the water and it's easier for me to catch because he's already wounded it. Keep that gravy train coming. <laughs> so I think we're going to reconsider whether we should be stocking the ponds, which is a shame because a lot of people like to fish. And if you need an RV lot for next winter, we have some for available. <laughs> you want to get rid of your arms and legs. <laughs> oh. Uh, back to technology. One of the things that we've talked about is using a universal remote and a HDMI cable and hooking up to the uh, the hotel or the cruise ship's TV set so you can watch uh, your content that you have on your iPad or phone or whatever. But as we have found, that is not always possible. And we have kind of an interesting solution here. I picked up a remote monitor. Now, in my basic computing setup, I use two monitors most of the time. And having two monitors is really nice because I can put uh, the notes on one side and do the editing on the other side. Or, or There's just all sorts of, of advantages to having a large desktop. Having a second monitor, though, can be expensive. But, ladies and gentlemen, guess what I found? A very nice little monitor, a 15-inch monitor, which is as big as most laptops, and it weighs ounces, and it gets its power from a USB-C. The computer you plug it into, right? Right, which is very nice, so that it doesn't need a power supply. It's very light, and it works as a second monitor. And actually, a 15-inch monitor is bigger than most uh, laptops. And certainly, if you hook it up to an iPad or even a phone, it would be a great monitor for watching TV or, or watching uh, your content, your Netflix or HBO or whatever you happen to bring. So I'm sure I'm planning on using this when I review my Africa pictures one more time and decide to delete some of them. I see them so much better on this monitor than I do on my laptop. Yes, and and you can have the tools for editing the picture on the other right screen, there. which is really nice too. So I'm going to recommend this, and the nice thing about it, not only is it light, uses no extra power supply, but... It is cheap. I paid $109 for it on Amazon, and it uh, it just works. I plugged it in, and it worked. And that's a nice way to get a second monitor. You could use it at home uh, on your regular computer, or you can use it uh, on your portables. And with the right cable, it'll hook up to any device and make that screen big, even your phone, which would be cool. Because the, the phone screen is kind of small. I can't believe people watch movies on their phones. So last month we talked about RVing with bikes, which was a very interesting book, I thought. At the time I hadn't read it. I hadn't gotten it. We do now. We do now. But we contacted uh, Betty, the author of the book, and we asked her if we could have an interview. Didn't she contact you? Originally. Because she was surprised at this sudden flurry of interest as a result of the last podcast. Okay. A mutually beneficial relationship. Anyway, we contacted her, and we now have an interview with Betty Chambers, who is the author of RVing with Bikes. And she needs your help 
because in order to find campgrounds that have uh, bike trails nearby, she needs people who have been and seen these trails. So this is the interview with Betty. Well, dear listeners, we are glad to have a interview today with uh, a book author who uh, we talked about last month, and we had some very good reaction about it, and we thought we would invite her to join us today on this podcast for an interview and to hear a little bit more about how she created the book. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to Betty Chambers, who wrote the book RVing with Bikes, and she is currently in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. The introduction to her book goes as follows. Do you like to camp and ride bikes straight out of the campground? This guide lists 200 campgrounds that offer full hookups and easy access to paved or hard surface bike trails. The information is organized by state and then by city and provides links to campground and trail information. The appendix also included which lists 50 campgrounds which offer partial hookups and easy access to bike trails. You know, this book is a terrific idea. How'd you come to write it? I have a blog called uh, chambersontheroad.com. Our last name is Chambers. Uh And I started that blog actually almost five years ago when my husband and I started our RV travels in our travel trailer. I started it just to have a record of our trips. Uh We love to ride bikes. Uh And so at one point it occurred to me, hey, I'll just make a post for people listing. My husband likes full hookup campgrounds, so that's where we usually stay. (laughs) And so I thought, well, I'll just make a post about these campgrounds that we stayed at where we can ride bikes right there. And so the post was wildly popular. And I got lots of views and feedback and People made suggestions. And so what I did is I took all those suggestions and I put them in the post. And that post is still on my blog. And I ended up with maybe around 30 uh, different full hookup sites with, with bike trails. And then I thought there's way more than 30, I'm sure, in the whole nation. And so I thought um, I'm going to try to develop this. And I, I kind of thought I think an ebook would be the way to go with it because I can link to the campsite. I can link to the trails and I don't have to reinvent the wheel on campground reviews and trail information. So that's, that's how it got started. So how did you get 200? Well, and first of all, I would say that this is the first ebook that I have written. So Uh the first thing I did is I took a free course through the library Uh about how how to write an ebook, and I had to learn some software. And then what I did in order to grow the post, I just started, I wasn't very methodical, but I used a lot of different ways to find these campgrounds with the, with the bike trails. I searched in uh, Facebook for bike groups. I searched in Facebook for camp groups. And then I'd look for the opposite. You know, if it was a bike group, I'd search for camping. And then I also went through numerous states' websites searching for campgrounds with the trails. I spent a lot of time in recreation.gov because, you know, that's our favorite place because it's so economical. If there were any newsletters that I happened to get or Google articles, I would search those out. And then a a number of people sent me suggestions in email. And so I would research those and verify them. And then I put those in the book. 
And if somebody sent me something in email, then I credit them in the book. I ask them how they want to be referred to, and then I thank them after the listing. Or you can blame them later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I did put, be sure the campground meets your own personal standards because we're all different. And uh, so that's in there too. I'm constantly looking for new additions for the book. If somebody puts on Facebook, oh, we camped at this place and it was great. I'll check it out and see if there's bike trails and all that. But I've had a really good response because people do like to ride their bike right out of the campground. So you haven't been to all 200 sites or 250? No, I have um, all 250. Uh, if If I've been there and I wrote a blog post about it. I linked to the blog post and I verify it a number of ways to make sure that, you know, I use Google Earth and Google Maps and I have emailed uh, the campground if there was any doubt. And, you know, there's a lot that are not in the book because they didn't meet my criteria of being able to safely get to the trail uh, if I if I'm not willing to ride it from the campground to the trail, then I don't put it in the book. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So your itinerary for years to come is going to be the <laughs> going to all these campgrounds. <laughs> well, I <laughs> absolutely we have a number of them this year that we are visiting here in Gatlinburg. Close by is Townsend, the Townsend Trail, which is a ten mile loop. So we went over there the other day and rode it. And I came back and I added a little bit because um, the campgrounds I listed, you can either cross the road, which is, it's a busy road, but you can cross it. There's plenty of breaks and traffic, Uh but there's also a tunnel. If you come out of the campground and turn right and ride a little bit, you can go under a tunnel. And so I, I put the information in about how you can get to the other side where both there were two tunnels I put where they were. Yeah, I'm hoping to visit as many of them as possible. Sounds like a uh, five-year project. <laughs> oh, at least five years, maybe maybe more. I doubt we'll get to all of them in the book. I do have at the beginning of each chapter kind of a rough map with a dot of where the trails are. And I'm I would like to develop that further. And I can see, you know, I kind of have an idea of um Okay, here's Iowa. Here's a route you can take and visit all these bike trails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just was paging through the book uh, in the past couple of days. Uh, we bought it off of Amazon, of course. And I was thinking, well, now I could just kind of plot a route through Illinois and Iowa. And I was surprised at all the, the bike routes that were available there and spend a couple of days at each of the campgrounds. That would be a really fun adventure and you know something unusual which is great right in the ebook i had a minimum of a one mile trail that's kind of the bottom line yeah. uh, for it i never included you know a lot of times we ride bikes around the campground right um, and so i i didn't take that into account at all and i i would like the trails to be more than a mile and most of them are but that's kind of the minimum length that I would include. Yeah, I yeah, a mile is a little short. I would consider 10 or 15 to be kind of a, a cutoff for me. I, yes, I agree with you, but I thought there might be some younger families that would, a mm, mile might be, might be good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think retirement. So <laughs> you're right. <laughs> there might be others who have a different agenda. 
And of course, we have e-bikes too, so the distance is really not all that critical. Absolutely, yes. You didn't include whether it has hills or not, which would be another factor. I did not. Um, I do have the link to the trail information, and we have e-bikes too, so hills kind of aren't much of a factor for us either but a lot of the trails are rail trails yeah and so those are generally pretty flat yeah we're members of rails to trails which we have done quite a few of the trails uh not the whole thing but parts of them and that's a great organization to join because they have you know that's such a popular thing to do especially here in the midwest and that's right. Try to put a link into our episode website for rails to trails. The electric bikes, uh, we have uh, fold up electric bikes. And I looked at yours and you have because they fit in the back of our Jeep. So we can just put them in there. They're secure and they don't uh, get weathered from the rain and stuff like that when we're when we're traveling. But you have uh, different bikes than we do. Tell us about your bikes. We do. We were riding our regular bikes in Michigan. Uh, we were in Mears, Michigan, riding the Hart Montague bike trail. And we stopped at Bike Shed, which is right on the trail. And I was having trouble with my bike, who, and then my bike was pretty old. And the man there said, well, he could fix it, but it, it, w- it was only kind of temporary. It really needed to be redone. And there were two e-bikes there. This is uh, more than a year and a half ago, uh, two years in July. And I looked at those bikes and I thought, boy, that looks like Betty and Dan right there. I had kind of delayed e-bikes because I wanted to keep exercising. But we went back to our campsite and thought about it for a week. And then we went back and purchased them. We left our old bikes there and we've never looked back. They weren't fold-up bikes. We just... Uh, he let us ride them to make sure we liked them. We bring them in our camper. We It's dual, not too bad, but one of them goes on the dinette and one of them goes on, we have a Murphy bed, so we have a jackknife sofa. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. we put the other one on that and that's how we use them to travel. And then when we arrive uh, at a site, we put them outside. We have a, a cover for them in case it rains. If we go somewhere and we just stay for one night, we don't take them out. The one on the sofa, we stand up and scoot around it, and we eat our dinner on the sofa or outside. <laughs> but uh, it works. They are heavy. They're 60 pounds each, but we love those. Fat tire? No, they're, they're not fat tire. They're just a regular tire, I guess you would say. Uh huh. What brand and model are they? They are from a company called Stone Mountain Company. They actually come out of Georgia. And the man at the woodshed had just started selling them back then. And Mm -hmm. he only had, he had like maybe five of them, but he sold them all as soon as he got them in. You know, we didn't do a lot of research or shopping. We, they were there and it just seemed like the right decision. And we've been, we've been thrilled with them. And riding them is half the battle. I mean, I hate to see people buying them off the internet. And the first time they ride an e-bike is when, it arrives in the mail and they are stuck with it. Right, right. Well, we got to ride them and yeah, uh, yeah. we knew they were comfortable. And we had in a couple previous trips rented them. Like uh-huh. we rented, rented them in, in Hawaii and we rented them when we were in Garden of the Gods. And, and so we kind of had a little experience. The book is applicable for regular bikes and e-bikes, sure. but we we just love the 
the e-bikes. Yeah, I'm I'm a strong believer also. And make sure that you can get back if you ride out that you can get back. <laughs> <laughs> We're very be careful about my husband, especially. Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, so publishing the ebook was easy or hard? And, and what, how how's working with Amazon? The best thing I did was taking that course through the library because that get, that really helped me a lot. I had a lot to learn. Uh-huh. I also used a product called Designer. That was helpful in that I I could pull in blog posts. Uh uh So I had to learn to use that. And working with Amazon has been fine. Uh, I haven't had, uh, you know, any issues with that. But I think that taking that course and using Designer helped me meet all of their specifications that they have. So that's been okay. So uh, if somebody wants to buy your book, they go to Amazon, and how much does it cost? Uh, They can go to Amazon and search for it, or they can go to the website, rvingwithbikes.com. Oh, you have a website for it, too. Mm -hmm. I do, just because I thought that would be an easy way to refer people. The book costs $2.99. That's very reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm hoping to get it out there, and, Uh and people can... Help me make it a great resource right, for yeah. everybody. It already is. Listings in all in 49, 48 states? I don't think there's 48 states. Okay. There's a lot of them. Um, I don't include mountain biking. So some yeah. states have a lot of mountain biking. And I also haven't included Alaska or Hawaii. Sure. But there's a number of states in there. And some states, you know, like Minnesota and Michigan yeah. and Iowa, Missouri, there's lots of wonderful places. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And if there's no printed version, is there? Well, that's a story because my first inclination was to make it an ebook. And I came along, Amazon said, You want to make a paper? And I said, Yes. Well, it, that got some poor reviews oh. because the links didn't work. And I thought that people would use it in conjunction with being online, but but as soon as I got a couple bad reviews, I pulled it. Uh-huh. it. But it takes a while for Amazon to really pull it off of other markets. Uh-huh. So there was a print version. And I think that it would be a popular thing to have it in hard copy. But I, but I want to... I don't even know if I, I have, I would have to figure out how to make people happy with a, with a print version. And so for now I have it as an ebook and that's kind of the direction I'm heading. I, you know, I agree. I like a paper copy. In fact, I've printed it off to use. One of the problems with designer is that, that I did not realize is that the DPI is 300, which Uh the print quality is not very Uh good Uh so i think that was one of the issues too so at this point it's i have it as an ebook that's what i plan to continue developing it works really well as an ebook i kind of had a choice do i turn it into a a hard copy book or do i continue to add campgrounds and develop it that way because so that's the way i've gone at least for now do you have a favorite trail from the book? I have lots of favorite trails. I wrote down a few 
since I thought you might ask. Well, here in, in Missouri, back home, we can ride to the Katy Trail right from our home. We have to go up a steep hill, which in 10 years before e-bikes, we went up it twice. <laughs> yeah. Once, you know, was our first time. The second yeah. time, I guess I was feeling optimistic. But now that we have our e-bikes, we've gone up that hundred, you know, who yeah, who yeah, knows yeah. how many times, but we go up that hill, we can get to the Katy Trail and ride across the state if we want. And there's campgrounds on the Katy Trail. So like Ren Lake, Ren Lake yeah, um, over Lake in too. Benton, Illinois. Right, right. Yes. And um, another place that we love is Dam West on Carlisle Lake over in Carlisle, Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a, a trail that goes through town and then you can cross the dam and just, we rode so far. My husband didn't want the battery to run out. So we had to turn around. Another place we love is a campground in Texas called the Vineyards, uh -huh. which my son lives in Dallas. So we, we can ride on wide sidewalks to bike trails. And I, I don't know how many miles it was. And of course, Gulf State Park. Oh, yeah. That's a, Gulf Shores, that's a yeah. favorite. A little campground in Greenville, Missouri is called, uh, it's a Corps of Engineers, yeah. Greenville Recreation Area. They have a bike trail, a two-mile trail to town, but then there's a trail all around the campground. And so we just love that little little place. And um, it's a real interesting little campground. So, uh, I'm sure yeah, you've piqued uh, our, our listeners' interests. Uh, and all of this information, of course, is available in your book. And the book is called RVing with Bikes. They can pick it up on Amazon, right? We that is correct. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Hopefully, you'll get to all of the bike trails uh, in the next few years. We'll help you with that. And if listeners uh, have some suggestions, they can contact you at... They can email me at rvingwithbikes at gmail.com. And I'll respond to everybody and I'll research it. And if it's if it works out, it'll go in the ebook with their with credit to them. Sounds good. You're very uh, helpful. And uh, this is this is a great idea. I hope that uh, you can expand it and make it uh, all all 48. Well, all 50 states, really. What the heck? <laughs> I guess we'll go to Alaska and Hawaii, too. Thank you. Absolutely. Very much. And wouldn't that be wonderful if we could get to all those bike trails? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we would like to do that, too. So thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you later. Okay, thank you, Ken and Martha. It was nice to meet you. That was very interesting. Thank you, Betty. We very much appreciate it, and we hope that we can help you sell a few books, even though at two ninety nine, they're not going to make much money. <laughs> but it's so, the fun of doing it's it. It's the fun of doing it. The and RV community is a sharing community and a helping each other community, and that's exactly what she's doing. And if you go to the RV Navigator website, you will see links to the Rails to Trails, which I mentioned, as well as the Trails Conservancy, which is... Uh, bike sites that will help you find trails and give you tips and tricks about uh, uh, using your bike. And, of course, e-bikes. When last month we had a nice article about e-bikes. I'm going to include that link again called The Best E-Bikes for RVers. And you can read that article and see if you would like to get an e-bike. Uh, we are strong advocates of e-bikes. It should be obvious that all the trails that Betty recommends in her book are suitable for people who don't have an e-bike, but yes. just a regular bike. And that her criteria was that she didn't want to ride very far out of the campground on surface roads before she got on the trail. So that's her selection 
some criteria. But there are lots of other trails and lots of campgrounds that don't have hookups. <laughs> I would think that are along trails. So maybe we could. She would be considering uh, adding to the book with a second edition that would have other campgrounds. That wasn't what she wanted. At the same time, we want to recommend another book. Because if you like rails to trails, then you'll probably like the Corps of Engineers camping. And we often stay in Corps of Engineers, but there's a new edition of the Corps of Engineers book. It's a book book. A book. Oh, a paper. printed a printed book. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if it's available as, a, as an e-book. I don't know. The Corps of Engineers camping directory of 942 camping areas in 35 states. This is a paperback, and it talks about the Army Corps of Engineers as one of the nation's leading federal providers of outdoor recreation with more than 400 lake and river projects. These areas offer recreational opportunities at campgrounds, lakes, and marinas across the country. The book will guide you to 942 camping areas available from the U.S. Corps of Engineers projects in 35 states. We found these campgrounds to be fabulous, and if you don't use the Corps of Engineers campgrounds, you're making a mistake unless... You have to have full hookups <laughs> because most of these Some sites, do. most of these sites are water, water and electric, electric but yeah. most of them, many of them are 50 amp. And of course, because they are associated with a lake or a dam or some other uh, project that the Corps of Engineers is working on, they are usually in very nice and scenic areas. Because we've talked about this before and we, and we've mentioned that we camp in them frequently, but if you can camp there, please do. They tend to be in more off the expressway boondocky places, and I would go to them because they are such wonderful campgrounds with so much water and land to play on and be camping in and having fires. Just in and of itself, it's an attraction. So if you like want to go to see Williamsburg, you probably wouldn't no, find no. a COE campground near a destination like that. But the Tennessee Valley Authority has tons, tons of them. Of them. You know, if you want to go laking, then that's a, that's the the sites to use, and they're usually fairly decent sized. I mean, the sites are not only big, but the number parks of sites in big. the campground is is big, and they're usually near parks, and they often take big rigs. And for those of us of a certain age, they are also a real bargain because you can stay at them half price. But even at full price, it's only twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> we stay for twelve or something. Exactly. So the the price is right, and it hasn't really fluctuated. Now here's a question for the co-pilot. Oh no! Is it about electricity? Yes, of I course. Hate electricity. So this is uh, fact or fiction. Are you ready? I guess. Never plug in with, with a twenty amp extension cord. What do you, What am I plugging in? Your RV. Well, what kind of RV is it? Makes no difference. Is that a, is that a fact or fiction? I, RV blogs, social media groups, and YouTube videos are, have exploded over the past couple of years. Some provide great information, others are questionable, and some downright bad information. Can you tell the difference? In this regular monthly column, we will post a question based on information we find online. You can then test your RV prowess by seeing how your answer compares with our experts. So this is a lot like the AI pictures of people eating concrete. There's a lot of information out there, and you have to figure out what is true and what isn't, which generally goes back to consider the source, if you can figure that out. Oh, I noticed that she's not answering the question, ladies well, and gentlemen. I know the answer to the question. What we is the answer? We've into 20 amps. So the answer is it's fact. Or it's, it's possible. It's fiction. 
is fact or fiction? Never plug in with a 20-amp extension cord. That's not true. Not true, so it's fiction. And anybody who's boondocked in their friend's driveway knows that they are using that kind of a setup to get a little juice out of their house, probably. But it's a very small pipe for your electricity, so you can't do much. But you could keep the lights on and maybe charge the batteries. But even power hogs like us have a pigtail where we can take the connector and make it feasible to get the meager 20 amps out so that we can keep our fridge going or whatever it is we need. Ladies and gentlemen, this lady has learned. It's about time. She has listened to every episode of the RV Navigator podcast and has actually learned something from them. Experience helps (laughs) also. Wow. I'm impressed. Uh, Now, the next exciting topic cat strap prevents catalytic converter thefts there have been so many stories in the news of people who come out to start their car in the morning and the catalytic converter is gone and it really got me to thinking um i don't really even know what one looks like but i must have one on my rv and it must be a lot bigger than the one that's on a car and it's probably even more worth stealing yeah, I was very surprised that our diesel uh, big motorhome has a catalytic converter, and this is a device which is a uh, is a smog pollution. pollution control device, and it's on virtually every car, every gasoline or I guess diesel cars diesel too. too, and it is designed to keep the the smog out of the air. The issue is is that they contain rare earth elements that are very expensive, and people come along and they zip underneath your car with a sawzall and they cut them out apparently it's quick and easy to do yeah so this is called a cat strap and not a cat animal but a catalytic converter strap and basically what it does is you clamp it on across the, the catalytic converter and it makes sawing it very difficult how do you attach it though you attach it with clamps that they provide. Well, then why can't I unclamp it? Well, because the same issue is, is that you, it would take too much time. And this doesn't keep the, anybody from stealing it. It slows them down. And it has a big label, a big yellow label on it, which says uh, this is protected by the cat strap. And so, I don't know. It sounds like kind of an interesting idea. I'd be interested to hear from anybody who's used one. And if your lifestyle is like ours, we can put our car in a garage most yeah. of the time, but our rig sits out all the time it's well and people, and people who go to uh you know mass transportation and park their cars in parking lots well even at uh, malls and things they can very quickly it takes about three minutes wow. to remove your catalytic converter I'm there are no wires on it rvs that are sitting in campgrounds that are like there for the season you know where the people aren't there all the yeah, time yeah i can see there'd be all sorts of problems so anyway um we might want to consider a cat strap for our rv well good idea keep you up to date as to how we we do with this uh new google maps features this is cool too Google Maps now offers more comprehensive view of park, national park hiking trails. Instead of just dropping a pin on a trail, Maps displays the entire trail route on the map, giving users a visual overview of the path that they will be taking. Furthermore, users can stroll through photos of the trail, allowing them to gauge the level of difficulty and the scenery before embarking on their adventure. It also shares whether the trail is best for walking, running or biking now when they first started google street maps they drove around with a car with 12 cameras on the roof and took street views in all directions are these crowdsourced these pictures they're not driving a car down a hiking trail i don't work for google i don't know (laughs) 
Well, I'm just wondering how they make the pictures, where they come from. Well, they're probably people sending them in. Well, they or they picked them off of other places. Yeah. So are they active, or is some AI? No, there's no active. Oh, maybe some AI thing puts yeah. some pictures there. Yeah. yeah, that could be. Second, Google Maps has improved its directions within national parks for better navigation. When searching for a park or a specific hike, Maps now provides more precise directions, guiding users to the park entrance or starting point of the trailhead. Park entrances will also be highlighted on the map. This feature helps users save time and avoid confusion, ensuring a smooth experience while exploring the national park. Cool. Yeah, that's a very nice feature. And, of course, which national park should you go to? Always a question. Which ones will meet your needs for uh, the activity level or the scenicness or water? Which national park for you quiz? allows you to answer a few questions, and it will tell you which national park is best for your interests. Is that AI also? I think you've got AI on the brain. I do. <laughs> I'm questioning all sources of information now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I in trouble? Well, as long as you have good information, you're... Sitting pretty. I, that's the problem with AI is you don't know whether don't it's real know. or not. Well, I took this test and I found where, out... Where should you go? I found out that I should go to... I forgot where it said. But <laughs> it wasn't, some, wasn't a national park that I had heard of. You've never been there? No, I don't think so. Did it ask you what other parks you'd already been to? No. Oh. But you might want to take a look at this just to help you decide. I mean, it asks you questions. It's fun to think do you, about. Do you prefer mountains or stream or water? Water. You know. Do I prefer one or the other? Yeah, I like them both. Yes. But it didn't offer you the choice to do that. And the last big topic we're going to talk about today is the demise of Nomad Internet. This is really a shocker. Nomad has... (laughs) What is that? An internet service provided by FMCA. Well, not exactly provided by, but it's a very popular internet service similar to cell phone service, that very reasonably priced and very popular with our viewers, they are going out of business. And I have a link to this, of course. And if you're a Nomad user, you're going to be looking around for other sources. And I would seriously take a look at the RV Mobile Internet site, rvmobileinternet.com, and they have extensive listings of the various plans that provide to get your Internet. So... Nomad Internet, and this might be the chance to go to Starlink. Huh. They're, they're, yeah, they just... This says from crypto scam to RV sham. So yeah, is this, I, is this I don't know much about Nomad. Nefarious somehow? I guess so. I don't know. Hmm. But the Nomad cellular internet service is, no more. is going out of business. <sighs> so we have had a lot of interesting topics today. I hope so. And you're on your recovery. I am. And we will be even more recovered next month because you will be doing your PT. Uh huh. <laughs> Which she doesn't sound very excited about doing. Well, I'd rather not need to do this at all, I guess. Yes. But I'm glad that it's there. So, dear listener, uh, in June. Our favorite surgical recuperation campground. Ah, yes. <laughs> the Indiana Dune State Park, where we'll be enjoying some beach time, but. Uh, 
For the time being of May, testing the systems of the motorhome and the navigator. But we've given you lots of topics to communicate with us about. We would like to hear about your experience with Nomad. We'd like to hear about e-bikes. We'd like to hear about camping with uh, trails and your experiences with the e-book. So lots and maybe a, a monitor or two that you bought for your computer. We have spent your money. We have taken up your time. <laughs> you're good at that. <laughs> All of those things have happened while you're listening to the RV Navigator. Don't forget to go to the RV Navigator webpage and take a look at this uh, the episode links because all of the links for this episode will be listed there if I get it done in time. And you will be able to just click and see topics of interest. And, of course, we don't want to forget the AI-enhanced calendar picture. Oh, yeah, those are beautiful. <laughs> and why are they beautiful? Because they are AI-enhanced. <laughs> oh, good. Because you're a good photographer, that's why. Uh, yeah, ex- exactly. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> so, dear listener, we have enjoyed talking to you, and please keep in touch, and we will see you at a campground near us in the future. Possibly. Possibly.